Hi, it's Karen from See Me, Hear Me, Love Me, the podcast for parents of young children. And we want to share your stories and all those crazy, contradictory feelings that come with being a parent. We believe in you. You got this, even on the craziest of days. And you are most definitely not alone. Hey, listeners. The host of this podcast wants you to celebrate the messiness of life with kids. That means we don't need an expert to explain our kids to us. We just need to sit back so we can truly see, hear, and love our kids. My family has been lucky enough to attend B'nai Torah, where Karen's enthusiasm and joy for all aspects of parenting has been a breath of fresh air and always gives us hope that we can do it. Karen Deerwester believes that when we see, hear, and love the messy moments of life with kids, we're able to give our children everything they need. Karen has been a teacher, author, and a leader in early childhood education for decades, and there is nothing, nothing that doesn't make sense if we take time to connect with each child exactly where they are, and right where we are with all of our messiness too. Here's today's podcast. Today's podcast is Emotions and Emotional Intelligence. I'm so excited to be here at the square table today with one of my favorite, favorite family time parents who is also a psychotherapist, Alana Kirschenbaum. We've talked about emotions nearly every week as her daughter has grown into her complex and beautiful two-year-old self. And I wanted to share Alana's insights with our podcast listeners. There's so much I'm excited to discuss. Baby emotions, toddler emotions, how layered, complex, and sometimes irrational emotions feel to children growing into personhood. I also want to talk about grown-up emotions, how we as parents and teachers who are around young children revisit and re-experience all kinds of messy emotions too. No doubt, emotional intelligence is a lifelong understanding and skill that needs our attention almost daily. I think we usually call that self-care. There's so much to talk about, and truly, emotions are the foundation of see me, hear me, love me. Alana, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Let's get started. Where do you think a conversation on emotions should begin? Well, I guess let's talk about two-year-olds. Okay. I guess that's kind of, you know, natural for us since Gabby's just about to be two. And it's certainly where emotions begin. It, I'd say it begins even before, but yeah, I mean, definitely very early, early childhood. Yeah. Okay, so God, we'll explain the difference from those um, those what I think are just, I want to say, sort of simple emotions that a baby starts the world with. So and, then, and then growing into two-year-oldness. So it starts with the foundation of, you know, who's going to provide for me? Mm-hmm. Can I feel safe in my environment? And do I feel loved? And so it starts, you know, in utero, really. Yes, yes. And how do you take care of your body in utero? How do you take care of your child in utero in the sense of not what are you putting in your body what environment are you in are you in an abusive environment because that's going to wire your child's brain differently for you know later in life what you know all of those environmental things yes are you people are preoccupied people poverty with basic needs we live down here in south florida is there a hurricane coming we have to think about that those are all things that when the baby's in utero as the mom is experiencing it, 
it rewires the way the, the child's brain is Okay, developing. so I'm thinking 100 people just got enormously stressed out out there in yes. listener land because they're like... But the good news is you don't have to you don't have to stress about it. What you, you do, if that something happened to you, it's inevitable. We live in a very crazy, busy world. It's inevitable. So you just kind of have to do your best as a parent once the child is here okay, to help rewire the brain. Let's talk about... I mean, I think you've just come to the heart and core. I mean, we all know of the good, those easy emotions. Yeah. Love to love, mm-hmm. protection to need, safety to um, hunger. You know, all of when when we're in sync and and taking care of ourselves and our babies. There's that magic mommy, daddy, fabulous bubble of love. But what you just described was the stressors in life. Mm-hmm. A hurricane, uh, emotionally challenging situation in a family, physically challenging risks. So the whole world just went, <gasps> Yeah. I, okay, so my job is to bubble wrap me and my baby. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So how do you coexist? With the, with the stressful emotions of the world so that you can wire. I mean, you just put that yeah. wiring thing was like, okay, so, it's all on my shoulders as the grown-up. But you know what? As the grown-up, you're right. Taking care of our little ones is all on our shoulders. But thank God we have other grown-ups around us to help us. So when the hurricane came, I was pregnant with Gabby. Okay, and it was my choice since we didn't have hurricane shutters on our brand new house, I was my choice to leave the state and to go to some, somewhere safe. But had I chose to stay, what my action would have been was pretty much the same as every brand new parent. My child's going to come into this world. I'm going to show them that it is my job to keep her safe. And even though she might have been rewired during a tragedy while in utero, I'm still here to keep her safe. And that shows a child that it's it's okay to be in an unsafe situation. Mommy and daddy are going to take care of it. Mommy and daddy are going to help me through it. And when you do have, I mean, it's inevitable. We're all going to be faced with something difficult in our lifetimes. And our children are all going to be faced with it. So it's kind of be the child's strength. Be Take a deep breath. Take a step back and see how it might look from a child's perspective. And use children's language to explain it. And in how, a not-so-scary, not-so-big way. Okay, before we get to explaining it to the children, I want to start with the how do we self-manage? Because it's not, um, I'm going to pretend I'm not worried about this if I'm worried about this. Right. I'm not going to pretend I'm happy. Which is what people do because... Because we think we it's wanna, our job. We, want, yeah. it's our, we it's think our it's our job. We want to put them in a bubble and, you know, it's okay. You know, we're, we're just going to usher, you know past the situation and you're going to be fine. But reality is at some point your kid's going to have to face it. Why not teach them the tools to face it now? Okay, so I want you to do I want you to go so, through the hurricane, self-management and then how you would explain it. Wait, wait, wait. To okay. to um, how you would express it to the under one and then to where Gabby is now. Wait, I'm going to make it more complicated. And then I want you to do a second scenario, which is the one I know you just faced. Okay, in the last few weeks. Yes. Um, the messiness of the life. The messiness of life, exactly. How do I self-manage my own fear and anxiety for my own personal safety so, with the hurricane coming? Self-care. We Before the podcast started, Karen and I were talking about self-care and how important that is. You got to take care of yourself. 
You have to check yourself. You have. What to does know. that mean emotionally? It's not so a manicure you, and pedicure. No, you have to know yourself as an individual. You have to know yourself if you have a, a partner. You got to know yourself with your partner, and be able to say. I know, like for me, hurricanes make me anxious. I'm an anxious wreck. And I know that I tend to overplan in my anxiety to make sure that we're prepared for every possible scenario. Me too. My fiance is just, it's a hurricane. He's been here in South Florida forever. And he thinks I'm ridiculous. But he lets me go through the motions of, I need to make sure we have enough water. I need to make sure, you know, we're we're taken care of and we're safe. So the way that I had explained it to Gabby, which is pre-verbal, was there's going to be a lot of wind, there's going to be a lot of rain, and it's okay because mommy and daddy are going to keep you safe. We're going to sing songs, we're going to play music, and we kind of made it like into, like, it, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a little camp out of the, the lights might go out, and that's okay because the lights go out at nighttime, and at nighttime you're still safe. So you use things that the child already knows to make it less scary. And what I love about this, and this is why I love early childhood, and this is why early childhood fits so strategically into big emotional intelligence, is as we find the tools and the strategies to express it to a pre-verbal child or an early childhood age child, we are healing ourselves, taking care of ourselves, and growing ourselves with these basic building blocks of emotions. And it's amazing. You tend to manage your own anxiety with that because you're like, okay, hurricane, it's it's wind, it's rain. Okay, it's flying debris, but we're going to prepare for the flying debris by putting, you know, storm shutters up. We have hurricane windows, whatever your protocol might be. And you're kind of like, okay, you take that step back. And then you take that deep breath, which I encourage every parent in every situation. Breathing. Every situation. Your toddler's throwing a tantrum. Take a deep breath before you react. Mind, body. Let's Mm -hmm. just talk about how physical, how knowing where emotions sit in your body changes then the cognitive skills that yes. are going to go up because before you go to cognitive mm-hmm. you have to be well, you think about you think about reading a child if you, you a, a child that's pre-verbal you see your kids clenching their fists all the time they're worried about something there's something going on that they're thinking about they can't tell you but the way that they're trying to show you is by their muscle movement they're holding something really tight when you think when a kid you see this all the time especially transition classes Kid doesn't want to leave mommy. What do they do? They cling on, like, you know, they wrap their legs around you like they're a tiny little monkey, and they hold on so tight because they're showing you, I need a minute. I'm not ready for this. So my question that I always think I'm answering for parents in that moment is, why is it worth me helping a child move past the tight, clingy moments versus saying, whatever it is that I'm asking you to do um, is, isn't as important as me being present. So there's this thing that says where I want to say, if I meet you where you are, I can then help you go forward and that I as a grown-up know there's something on the other side right. of the clenched fist, the holding right. so tight. But if I stay in the soup with the child, we'll right. both go down in that quicksand. Yes. How, do, how does a parent trust that there's something... That, that there's that, that, you, that it's okay to work through rather than to be yeah. stuck in you gotta it. Look, you got to look back. Did your mom and dad come sit next to you on your first day of kindergarten the entire day? Did your mom and dad 
sit at your desk in first grade, second grade, college. You know, we, we as adults know we're not just raising children, we're raising adults. And we have to pair, prepare our children for adulthood. And it starts, as, you know, for some parents it's even earlier than two. For some parents who have to work and to send their kids to daycare or um, leave them with a relative, it starts, you know, six weeks, eight weeks old. So we have to prepare them that early so for the your, adult they will be. And how's your pep talk then when you're in the moments oh, of fear deep, and anxiety? Deep, deep, deep breaths. You know, no, I mean, I did the, the transition class here at the school for me more so than for Gabby because, you know, I became so, like, you know, mommy, mommy. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I was working, you know, with her 24-7. She go to school next year. It's fine. Could, I don't exactly. have to do this now. But I know. I can avoid it. I can avoid it. <laughs> and that's another, another emotion is that avoidance. I can avoid it, but I still have to reach it at some point. Yeah. And if I do it earlier, it's easier for my child. Yeah. And as a parent, and we, every parent knows this, you take an emotional hit for your kid. So I said, all right, I'm going to do this, but I don't have to rip the Band-Aid off, thank God. Unlike, you know, a lot of situations, parents do just have to leave the kid. I have that choice to, say, put her in an environment where she gets to know it with me there, and then leave for a few minutes and come back. And so she and I both learned to be okay in that moment. But it was a lot of deep breaths. It was a lot of self-talk, which is something that's so important you can help your kid um, work through, saying to yourself, She's going to be okay. She's going to be okay. She might be crying, but that's she's still safe. That's a sad cry, and there's adults in there to comfort her and walk her through it. And now my job is to take care of myself so that when I go back in there, I'm not the, the parent that's falling on the floor. Oh, my God, I missed you. I missed you. I missed you. I can't be away from you. Because you want your kid to be able to be away from you. You need to be away from your child. Okay, and here's, here's something I hear therapists, psychologists talk about a lot. Um, I love emotional intelligence and learning all this emotional literacy because I'm not sure that all of us have had the tool building, skill building that we need. What you said is we'll take the hit, the emotional hit for our children. So what that comes to me is, is, is this idea and I have a developmental mantra thing about emotions that says, you can think and feel for yourself, and I will think and feel for myself. So when you're taking that hit, and you are you, you're actually doing like this parallel, I feel your emotions, and I feel mine, and I'm going to help you with yours, and I'm going to help me with mine. You've got this, I own my emotions, and, I, and my emotions aren't the same as my child's. And I can look at my child separate. And I think that's mm-hmm. what happens at two, is yeah. they become their own person with their mm-hmm. own choices, decisions, it's very big emotions, needs. and they aren't they aren't mini me's. No, they have you know. Mm-hmm. So they're it, total individuals. How do you know where your emotions end and where theirs begin, and how to separate those two? So that goes back to being in tune with yourself. Who are you, as a parent, as a significant other, a spouse? Who are you as an individual? And then you have to look at your child and, and you know, the, I think the easiest way to explain it is you, your child might be really, really into cars and trucks and all that. But then you look at yourself, is that your thing? No, but that's your kid's passion. And so that's easy to see passion, you know, passion for passion. They're different. Emotion for emotion is different. And the way that you handle stress, you might be a rock star with stress. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not, but you know, someone might be a rock star with stress. Your kid might not be yet. Doesn't mean that they won't be one day, but 
they need to start at the very basics. And that's our job as parents. And so we have to, when I say to take the emotional hit, take on those big emotions that the the kid is, is expressing and undertake that step back, take that big deep breath and understand that it's okay for them to be sad. It's okay for me to be sad in the moment. But I need, the way I handle my sadness, I'm an adult with all the tools, or at least some of the tools, my child doesn't have them. So I have to center myself, take that deep breath, and understand where my child is at in that moment and realize my child is physically safe. And and what I thought of when you said that the first time was, what it means to take the hit is this is always going to hurt me and feel I'm going to feel it deeper and bigger than it, than you do as a child because I have yours and mine together. And sometimes it is. Yeah. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just kind of, you think about sleep training, I, parents go through this multiple times in childhood. I've done it, God, three, four times already, and she's not even two. Um, when your kid is crying it out, you know that your kid just wants you, and it takes everything in you not to pull your kid into bed with you and snuggle and everything. But then where does your intimate life go? Where does your quality of sleep? You know, it's in, where does your child's independence and ability to be self-confident, to sleep in, uh, right. alone in their own bed go? So how do you, and, and also take us right into emotion coaching, and, and as you were going to start saying, I think before, talking about Gabby, the coming into the labeling of emotions, how does that take you to emotion coaching and trying to really decipher what do they really need? They're telling you, I need to come need, to your bed. I need yes. you to hold me. I need yes. you to um, to take me far, far away from hurricanes. I need you right. to pretend the world. And you, you have to start with, I understand that you're upset. I understand that you are scared. So you're Connect. labeling, Connect. you're connecting, you are validating. A lot of parenting is validating the emotion. You cannot tell your child... You cannot be angry, but you can't have that toy. Your kid is going to be angry, and it's okay to feel angry. And you are you need to label and let them know this is a feeling. It's okay to have that feeling, and I am still here, but I'm here, and your teachers are here. I'm here, and daddy's here, and I'm here, the hurricane, I'm here to help you through this. You need to hold my hand. You can hold my hand. You need me to give you a big, tight squeeze. I'll give you that big, tight squeeze. But... You have to show the, the child it is okay to go through hard situations. And you label what it is. You call it exactly what it is. Sometimes I, I'll sit with Gabby and I'll show her my face and say, what face does mommy have today? And last night, Gabby wasn't listening. And I, I said to her, I go, Gabby, look at mommy's face. What is mommy feeling right now? Mommy's sad. Why is mommy sad? Gabby's not listening. And starting with that, that builds emotional intelligence. And as you said, you've taught her to to really stop and look at people's body language, at their faces, mm-hmm. at, at, at that whole combination of communication as a two-year-old. And, and that's now become a social skill for her yes. among her peers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What are the what's the hardest emotions that you see? Um, let's say Gabby being two or, or during those early preschool years. Frustration. Go for it. Frustration is a big one. I see it. It's one of those things I was having a conversation with friends recently. I don't care how verbal your child is. I know adults who don't have emotional intelligence. And so your child, two, three, four, may not have 
the emotional intelligence to say to you, this is what I'm feeling and this is what I need, which goes back to this image we were talking oh, about. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. There's this. There, we had so, a Facebook post. There's a Facebook you, post. That, do you want to read it? Yeah, Karen Facebook. posted it as four different images of two beings connecting with each other. Think about like an ET type being. And the first one says, um, I have a sad. The second one says, are you looking for solutions or comfort? And the third one says, I would like to be angry, then sad, then comforted, then adventure, or what was it? Then adventure for solutions, then giggles. And then the fourth one says, let's start roar. So this, if we all as adults could do that, we would be in all in such better places. And, and but most you, adults can't do that. And well, let me just because they I, because they can't see this image, this and it came from thingswithout.com. I don't know what that site is, but it was a Facebook post. But but there's a four-step emotion coaching process that becomes visible. And that's what I think of an early childhood is how do you make emotions and the process and the cognitive thinking and feeling Mm -hmm. together visible. And it was, I want to be angry. Then I want to be sad. Then comforted. Oh, there's five parts. Adventure for solutions and then giggles. So there's, so ha- go ahead from a therapist's point of view, because I know you've walked us through these steps in terms of the giggles being the release, the resolution, yes. the completely on the other side, mm-hmm. liberated and free. So it's, at first they're saying, I'm not happy right now. I'm not, you know, and that's, what do you need? You want to relate it to a child. Yeah. That's the crying. That's the tantrum. I'm not happy right now. Do you need a hug or an answer? Yeah. Right. And then, right. Do you want a solution or do you want to be comforted? Which sometimes if your kid's frustrated, Gabby constantly buckling things. She loves to buckle things and sometimes it's harder for her and she gets frustrated. And I say, do you want mommy to give you a hug or do you want mommy to help you? Because she can't ask that herself. So I have to model that for her. So I'm modeling. I'm not going to come in and just fix everything for you because you need to learn to fix for yourself. But... I'm going to offer a solution, and I'm going to offer some comforting. Then you move on to the character saying, first I'm going to be angry, then I'm going to be sad, and then I want you to come in and help me and comfort, comfort me, and then we can help. you can help me find some solutions, yeah. and then I'll be okay. And so taking that step back as the parent and saying, all right, what does my child need in the moment? Where's my child at emotionally right now? We always start with where your child's at, not where you're at. And that's such, wait, that was such a great thing to say because because I know that is the struggle what does my child need it's, it doesn't it's, feel transparent no it's the iceberg. and the hardest part is a parent I, I have to like separate my psychotherapist self yeah. from the from the parent self because as a parent when you're in the moment you're like god I just need you to get dressed we got to go to school I have to do x y and z but then I'm sitting there thinking as the parent Okay, but my kid needs this. But you just broke it down even simpler for me with your therapist eyes and your insight eyes and your emotional intelligence eyes. And that is where I, coming from my cognitive, which is where I come from first, I'm looking at going, it's so simple. Just look and say, what does my child need? You broke it down. You said, where is my child at emotionally? Mm -hmm. Before you try to ask any question, where is my child emotionally? Because that's going to get you a simpler... Think about how many times have you seen your child throwing a tantrum and you're just like, just stop crying. 
Well, that's not a solution. But for me, cognitively, when I say, what does my child need? I'm already going into fix-it mode. Yes, and we can't always fix. Wait, we're not supposed to fix. Never fix first. Never fix first. But sometimes there's nothing to fix. That's right. That's right. You know, so you, you really can't fix it. And you have to coach your child through that moment. But you're not coaching yourself through the moment, so you're not going to start where you're at. You have to start where your child is at. And by doing that deep breath and thinking, okay, what's the body language showing me? Are are we, like, slamming toys together because we're frustrated one toy won't go into the other? Are we hugging onto a teddy bear and crying? Where where are we at? Because with kids, it's not just a, a verbal thing. It's very much a physical thing. Yeah. yeah. So What if a parent's afraid of getting it wrong? Get it wrong. It's okay. You'll learn. That's how you learn. Do we tell kids all the time, practice makes perfect, right? Practice, if we got it perfect every time, we'd all be in a great place. If you got it wrong, your child's going to hit you. <laughs> if you got it wrong, your child's, yeah, yeah. Gonna, your child's and, going to express in a very, in a very in a, big in a, way. In a clearer way. And guess what? You know for next time. You're learning. You're, you're learning. learning. You're learning. There's so. no one right way to parent. There's no one child that is, you know, universal for every, you know, one behavior is every universal for every child. So I don't care if you have one kid, three kids, four kids, five kids. Every kid is different. Every situation is different. Sometimes you're going to get it wrong. Life is messy. But guess what? Kids and relationships are resilient. And you just take that step back. Again, we're always about step, taking a step back. Look at it a little bit from an outside perspective. Take that deep breath. And then move forward with what you feel is a good solution or a good comforting motion in that moment. And sometimes it's not even what you feel. Sometimes your gut should tell you, ask your child what they want. Because your children are very smart. And if you even just say, I wish I knew how to help you. I wish I I say that all the time because there's sometimes she's so frustrated that she's gotten to that level where it's like, she doesn't know what she wants, therefore I don't know how to help her through it. And and, and I didn't mean to use the help word because it's also no, just being able to say, you know what, I don't know what to do. I'll sit here and wait with you. And you're modeling, but you're modeling for them that there's not always a solution. Yeah, I, don't I don't always know. I'm, a, I'm an adult, and yes, adults are very smart and they know a lot, but we don't know everything. But emotions are complex and emotions yes. are layered. And yes. sometimes, you know, we talk about triggers, a lot, you know, but sometimes what happens to a child you know, over that puzzle, maybe it's because they were in a class and held it together while they were in a drop-off for two hours, and maybe There's, they're hungry. And you they, just made me think of something. The book that I had brought to class, Allie All Along, and I highly recommend that parents of little ones, I'd say seven and under even, read this book. I read it to my daughter. It's one of her favorites. But it demonstrates... Just a simple little thing. This little girl breaks a crayon. And to you and I as adults, it's like, all right, it's a crayon. We got other crayons. I'll replace it. No big deal. But to a kid, that could be something major. Or that could trigger something that they were feeling before. And that's the crayon is the catalyst for the emotions that come. And the book is basically, I'm feeling very, very, very big, angry feelings about this. And I'm going to break everything in my path because I'm frustrated and I'm angry and I'm sad. And and it walks through all these emotions. But peeling that away, after, you know, towards the end of the book, at the end, it's, I'm sad. Yeah. I'm sad. I'm feeling hurt. And I need to be comforted. Can you please hug me? Yeah. And, you know, knowing... Who your child is as a parent is the most important thing because you have to help them get back to and who that, that book they are. shows through colors, through colors, the process 
I love that book. That book is so fantastic because it's an emotional intelligence book on feeling angry, feeling frustrated. Then underneath it all, it's like peeling away an, an onion. You think about it. This this character is a little girl, but she becomes this monster because she's so angry. And she peels away. The anger is represented in red. And then the next feeling, she's still a little angry, is represented in like an orange-yellow. And then green. And it's like the colors of the rainbow. Sad is obviously blue because that's how we associate it. So we're teaching our children emotional intelligence and identifying feelings but if you look very closely the face of the monster changes as the book progresses and there are tools and there are tools in it that one calming down tools here punch this pillow because we don't want to break things and we don't want to hit people so a pillow is okay and then there's a toy that you love let's hold on to the toy and see if that helps you let's blow because using breath always helps us calm down and breathing is always a great strategy and then counting. How do we count? How do we count backwards? Because that helps us center and relax and refocuses our mind. And then there's the child, sad and needing finally a hug after that big, big tantrum. So as a parent, reading that to my child is like demonstrating to her, this is your tantrum and these are the steps that we go through to get you back to feeling okay. And I love just saying it that way. This is your tantrum. Mm-hmm. It's yours. And and in this see me, hear me, love me, it is, there's no shame for for being right. emotionally vulnerable. And or the word the phrase that just popped into my mind because I am of another generation. And and there were these judgments associated with less than lovely emotions. You're you're it's, you, there's no shame, but there's also no weakness. Right. You know, where, where in, in, in some places and some teaching, it was like, no, don't show those emotions. Don't don't break down. Don't fall apart. Oh God. And I remember watching a... Go ahead. I was going to say, you know, the best thing you can do is break down in front of your child. Yeah, yeah. And, and this goes into what it. you wanted to talk about before. Um, oh, go ahead. So let's we, go to that one situation. Which is great. So... Yeah. Um, up until about a week and a half or two weeks ago, almost. Oh my God, um, we were a three dog household, and I we had a fourteen and a half year old dog, Gracie, who had been battling cancer for about a year and a half. Also, had Cushing's disease, and most and most lately, um, started having some other symptoms that um, I just I couldn't see her. I couldn't watch her suffer anymore, and I didn't want this to affect. Um, I didn't want this to affect Gabby. I didn't want Gabby to see her dog in pain. Mm-hmm. And granted, yes, she has two other dogs at home. I needed, Gabby is always the center of my home. I love my dogs. I'm also a dog trainer. Love them, love them, love them. But Gabby has to be the number one in the house. And so Gracie was starting to affect Gabby emotionally. And so when we decided to put her down, I had to figure out. God, how am I going to tell my daughter? She just lost her best friend. How do I deal with the feeling that I've had this dog since college? I lost my best friend. And after I came back from putting her down, and I, I even before I, I said to, to Gabby, Mommy's going to take Gabby to the doctor, but or Gracie to the doctor. Gracie's not going to come home because Gracie is really, really sick and really, really old, and she is going to stay with the doctor for a bit. Because I had to figure out what I was going to say. When I got home, she looks at me. She goes, Mommy, Gracie at doctor? I was like, um, the doctor sent Gracie up 
by the moon to be in heaven. And I'm not one who, I don't think kids understand heaven. It's such an abstract concept that we as adults don't understand what is heaven. It's just this place above us. And everybody can go listen to the podcast on talking to children about death. And Rabbi is very good at avoiding that conversation about something like heaven if you don't believe in it. Right. Uh, or or what that abstraction means. Yeah. So we told Gracie that Gracie, see, I'm confusing. I love her so much I'm confusing it with my child. Mm-hmm. We told Gabby that Gracie went up by the moon. By the moon. And the stars. And Miss Amy reminded me that we need help during the daytime. So Grace is up by the moon, the stars, and the sun. And whenever Gabby misses Gracie, she can blow a kiss up to the sky, and and Grace will get it. So because there's an invisible thread. There's an exactly <laughs> such a good book. So I let myself cry in front of Gabby, and I said to her. Um, she looked at me kind of confused, like "Mommy never cries," and I said, "Mommy's really sad right now." Mommy's very sad. Mommy's crying because she's sad. And she looked at me confused again. And I said, Mommy's sad because Gracie's not here. And she looked at me and she goes, Gabby's sad. We miss her. We miss her. And so I make a point of every day saying, Mommy misses Gracie. Mm -hmm. Because I don't want her to think that she can't talk about it with me because she has to protect me. That's just another skill we have to learn as parents. Our kids are thinking about it whether we want to talk about it or not. So... We better start talking um, and at least leave the window, the door open to talk about it. But I I say to her, you know, let's go look at the moon. Let's go blow a kiss to Gracie. And now it's become a nightly thing. Mommy, still sad? No, mommy's okay. Mommy's okay because I have you and I'm, you know, and I know that I'm safe with you. And so I'm modeling for her. It's okay to be sad. But it's also okay to feel safe at the same time. You are that emotion role Mm -hmm. model. And what I love, too, is that... You know that not talking about it, not expressing emotions, makes children feel more vulnerable because they are reading our emotions often when we have become so living in our heads that we miss what we're feeling until we fall apart. Unless you are like a government-trained spy, we read our emotions (laughs) on our face. Our kids look at us a million times. They look at us for approval to do... You know, whatever, play with whatever toy. They look at us when we're not supposed to be playing with the toy. So they see it on our faces. The best thing that you can do for your kid is address whatever difficult situation it is using language that they're comfortable with. Wait, okay, I have to stop you because I just got a question from a parent last night. Okay. How do you know whether you should approach a situation um, because you're worried about it and you're not sure? And this comes to... If you're how- worried about it, you're thinking about it, your kid is probably there already. Um News stories. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. 100% talk about it because you don't know what they're going to overhear in the line at the grocery store. You don't know what they're going to, you know, friends are talking about it at school. Talk about it. Okay, I have one more question. I'm going to have to go to the wrap-up. So this is just a general statement, if you can, because I know you do this and I hear it in the books that you share, in the resources that you live with as as a mom and as a therapist. Emotions and emotional intelligence isn't just what we do in the crisis and the mm-hmm. challenges and the breakdown moments and the tantrums in the frustrations. It's what we do before, during, after. It's how we live our lives yes. every day. Something you can just say about the emotional umbrella that holds us that holds in us. life. Um, how do you deal with emotions when you think emotions aren't on the table? Emotions are always on the table. Because. I mean, to give they're us always, that perspective. They're always yeah. because we're human beings. Yeah. And uh, human beings and what we're beings. 
we, there's always an emotion on the table, whether someone's trying to hide it or not, it's there. And we need to walk through our world remembering that someone might be struggling with something but not talking about it because they're trying to hide that emotion. And just... So as a parent, you are feeling and thinking all Constantly. The time. Yeah. As a human being, I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm constantly because... You know, you you interact with so many different people on a daily basis, and just you you have to just be kind. That's where it starts. Be kind. Be kind. It is that new empathy connection that we want in this world. Oh, one hundred percent. Be kind and realize that just because someone's acting out, they could be having a hard time. So when we think about the bubble wrapping, here's what I hear you saying is. If we live with empathy and if we live in our feeling, thinking, resilient selves, Mm -hmm. then we don't need the bubble insulation. we don't. We have the emotional intelligence that allows us to stay open but close when we need to, to be hugged ourselves. You think about it as like we as human beings, we don't. We're not scared of, of diseases. We go out into the world, and if we encounter well, it... some people. Some people. Some people, right. We are, we are an over-anesthetic right. culture. Yeah, yes, we are. <laughs> but as a yeah, whole, yeah, yeah. we send our kids to school. We know they're going to get sick. We send our kids, you know, we, we, we go out into the Ooh. world. We go on airplanes. I, I want to say for all of my friends out there who are sanitizing and wiping toys and nervous about going no, out there physically in the world, I want to just say, I think it's one continuum. And if you're and overprotective is. physically... You may be overprotective emotionally, too. Yes. it's a vulnerability. It's a vulnerability. But what we have to think about is we build an immunity over time. Well, we build immunity, you know, from childhood moving forward. Guess what? We have that great, amazing ability to help our kids build emotional intelligence from this early, early, early stage that... As you your child gets older, you get to watch them be the one to comfort and model these things for their mm-hmm. friends and move into these scary but also fun phases of their life where they don't know what's to come, but they have this confidence that they can get through it because you've given them that foundation. I love you. We knew before we started this podcast that we would have a part two because I know I have... <laughs> we have a, so much more to say. I have listen list. I, I mean, I think there should just be, I mean, I'm sure there are podcasts for parents just on emotion coaching and emotional intelligence. But let's go to our wrap-up um, how have you got this? It gets to be your summary statement as a mom, as a human being. I just love that you've made this about human beings. Um, how have you got this for right here, for right now? For right here, for right now? I mean, it's, you have to take it a minute by minute, day, day by day thing, because who knows when my daughter's going to have a tantrum and who knows when I'm going to have to take that extra, extra deep breath and pull myself together. But for now, we're doing good. We're, you know, we're in a really happy place and it's it's an ever going, you know, ongoing process. Thank you. Thank you. We didn't get to talk about horses. We didn't get to talk oh my about goodness. so oh, much. That's a whole other emotional. <laughs> you want to talk about horses, my daughter will go on and on and on. We'll, we'll, we'll revisit this. Thank you, Ivana. Thank I love you. you. So that's the mess for today. We appreciate you listening to See Me, Hear Me, Love Me. Seeing little people learn and grow. Listening to parents taking a crazy, uncertain journey. Loving the fun and loving the mistakes. You write the rules. You write your story. We just want to be part of the conversation. But in the end, we know you got this. We'll catch you next week. Take care. Wait, wait, wait. One more thing. 
If you liked our podcast, please tell a friend, or even better, write us a review at iTunes. We'd also like to invite you to join us on Facebook. That's with me, Karen Deerwester, and check out the parenting resources at FamilyTimeInc.com. You'll also find us on Twitter at at FamilyTimeInc and Instagram at Karen underscore FamilyTime. Thanks for listening today. Thanks to everyone at B'nai Torah Congregation for this wonderful space. Thanks to Darren Littman for the great intro. And thanks to the front and the follow for the song Listen. We are listening. See you next week.